Welcome to the Supplemental Podcast. We are two licensed therapists sharing our therapeutic and personal perspectives. We hope this clinical and applicable insight will inspire you and challenge you to grow. So our topic today is highly empathetic people. And to kick it off, I always like a good definition, which I don't know that there is an official definition of what a highly empathetic person is. But Emma, when I sent that to you, what was your first thought about how you would define a highly empathetic person? Oh, I I started to answer your question before I listened to all of it. And I was going to say, I was so excited about this topic because, um, I don't know, I I work with highly empathetic people quite a bit and um, it's such a good thing to talk about. So to answer your actual question, my definition of a highly empathetic person is very hard to answer. Um, It's nearly impossible. (laughs) Yeah, it's super, um, I like definitions as well, but it's super hard to just kind of narrow down. But my, um, my first the first place my head went to was sort of explaining the difference between empathy and sympathy. Um, and I have a funny plug here for Brene Brown. Um, I talked about her last time too, so I don't know why, but she keeps coming up. And um, she has this really funny video on YouTube. You can look it up. And it if you type in empathy versus sympathy, um, it'll pop up and she, it's kind of in like cartoon form almost. And anyone who's listened to her knows that she has a good sense of humor. And she talks about that empathy is, um, kind of like crawling down into the deep, dark pit with that person and just sitting there and being with them. And sympathy is more like yelling from the top of the pit, like, Hey, do you want a sandwich or do you need a cookie? Sorry, you're down there. Um, and she kind of like jokes about it, but it's also very serious. And she said, um, she talks more about like an empathetic response and things like that. So, um, an empathetic person, it's hard to define, but in my eyes, there's someone who really feels that same, um, emotion or same place with another person. Um, they feel it as if it's their own heartache or their own despair or their own anxiety. They feel feel it in their body and in their soul and in their emotions as if it's their own thing. And it seems like highly empathetic people kind of do that with ease too a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like the definition that you added and the illustration. Thank you, Brene. Um, but I, in laying the groundwork, the phrase that I came up with, which was equally difficult to make succinct, was it's like intuitive people who can feel others' emotions and experiences as if they were their own. And so it's like those of, I'm going to say us, because I think you and I are probably on this, on this scale as well, which is why we can identify with this and love this topic is it's like, you just, you feel other people in your soul and your body and you can just read it. Um, But it can be a total blessing and a total curse at the same time, which is why working with highly empathetic people can be a ton of fun um, in therapy, at least in my personal opinion. Yeah. So From there, let's build on this a little bit more. What are some of the commonalities that you notice in your highly empathetic clients? Um, So the first thing I put in like kind of reading through this outline is that, um, you know, I feel I feel harsh to say this because it's so unintentional for them. But I think they can so easily struggle with good boundaries um, because they feel that that emotion or that situation or whatever it is so deeply. It is really easy to just 
it's really easy to get in that pit with somebody and then it's really easy to stay there because they feel it and it's coming from the most genuine heartfelt place. Um, but I think it can definitely be bad boundaries. A lot of the time is a struggle for them. Yes, definitely can. I often will find that the presenting issue for clients who are highly empathetic is anxiety or depression or overwhelm or burnout. And it usually leads to, um, again, that illustration of being in the pit, but not really being able to dig it out. And then it's almost like the pit becomes their own and then they're just digging it deeper unintentionally, like with Mm -hmm. the best of intentions. But I would agree that the boundaries piece is huge. And one of the things, the commonalities I see with highly empathetic clients as well is sometimes this tendency to try and protect me as the therapist as they come and sit on the couch where they're like, I don't want to be a burden to you. I don't want to put my stuff onto you because mm-hmm. usually they've been in the reverse. They're the helper. They're the one taking on the burdens of others, etc. And so they kind mm-hmm. of do this emotional caretaking thing with the therapist, mm-hmm. which is usually the number one sign for me. Like, oh, we're going to work on this like emotional caretaking stuff, which mm-hmm. we'll get into later. But yeah, do you notice that as well sometimes with your yeah, for highly sure. sensitive people? I, I see a lot of like apologetic um, responses and things like that. If that person feels like, oh, I said too much or, oh, she's sad for me or something, you know, they're like, oh, wait, wait, I, I need to take care of you. No one can do that for me, um, which can lead to lots of other topics about highly empath- empathetic people. Um, but yeah, boundaries, I think, is is for sure a big thing. Okay, so we'll jump into that more. But first, what are some of the common reasons that these empaths reach out for therapy sometimes based on what you've seen? Um, So I feel like it can often become a pretty isolated place. Um, They are so used to taking care of others and being a sounding block for others and being a resource for others and being supportive of others that they don't reach out for their own support. Um, I know I'm kind of guilty of that, that, um, it's, it's hard to, it, it's for a highly empathetic person. It's so natural for them to just take that on and be caring and whatnot, um, that they don't need, yeah, they don't even think about it. And so, and that's not a bad thing, but it becomes a struggle if they're also not taking care of themselves. And, um, I think a reason for coming to therapy is they reach a point of, kind of burnout, I guess you could say, or just maybe emotional overwhelm of, ha, I like doing this. And in the, in a lot of ways, this feels good to me to be empathic towards others, but I also have my own stuff and it's getting overwhelming. So I need a, I need a source, you know? Um, I think that's for sure a common thing I see. Yes. Taking on the emotions of everyone around them, in addition to managing their own is just, it's an impossible circumstance and it does catch up to people um but I also I think too I always want to state I when we're talking about empathy we'll talk about some of the um pitfalls of it or being a highly empathetic person but to frame it in a positive way I think it's such an incredible gift like it's a way that people exist in the world and it is a beautiful way to connect and to give back and to be able to be aware of oneself because I will find I guess that's more like a common trait but like Highly empathetic people are super fast processors. They just, like, when they're doing their work in therapy, it's boom, 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 boom. Like, they'll just put everything together because they're so aware Mm -hmm. of others. And typically, depending on the case, very self-aware, too. And so it's very, it's beautiful work. 
Um, yeah, one I, of the things, oh, oh, go ahead, speak to sorry, that. Sorry, I wanted to no, no, go real quick because I say, I find myself saying that to my highly empathetic people a lot, you know, like I lean forward and look them in the eyes and I'm like, you have a beautiful gift and I don't ever want you to walk out of here, um, trying to mute that gift, but there is a way to, to keep it in check a little bit. And I mean, I can see a couple of my clients right now that when I tell them, you know, you are so kind and so loving, but this is not your thing. You need to lay that down. That's not yours to deal with, blah, blah, blah. There's like this mix of relief and also like, ah, <laughs> you know, this like, but I want to. Um, there's just this sense of like, it's it's what I want to do. Um, but also some relief in me saying like, you can lay that down. It's not yours. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to jump in there and say like, I think they any empathetic person that's listening needs to know this is a beautiful thing and it's not I, I see that true empathy is not as common as you might think yes I I would agree and agree undoubtedly and I would echo everything that you just said too and with any gift I, I think it's a double-edged sword typically and parameters are part of what creates mastery long term too mm-hmm. and so to build on the things that I'll see clients come in for as far as just like initial symptoms during an assessment is a lot of somatic issues. So by somatic, I mean body issues, such as they'll have chronic headaches or some form of chronic pain or IBS, stomach issues, anxiety, random panic attacks when they've woken up in the middle of the night and they can't figure out why, numbness. And I've even seen things like Hashimoto's or sometimes um, autoimmune diseases get aggravated for highly empathetic people and so it's this this mystery when they come in where they're like I'm having all these things and it they've usually gone to a doctor and tried to solve all of these things and eventually one of the medical professionals has said hey I think that this is potentially material for therapy and then we kind of play detective and deconstruct it and a lot of the time it's your highly empathetic type of people and it, they've mm-hmm. somaticized some of that yes for sure. And um, everything you just described is one of those applies to at least one of those applies to all of my highly empathetic clients. And um, this is sort of a side note and definitely info for another podcast. But um, I think I have it in like my little description somewhere that like part of my personal approach with therapy is the body, mind and soul, because I don't see that you can separate the three of those regardless of you know, your beliefs can change about all of the above, but they're all just so intertwined. And, um, I really think our bodies are the best tellers of what's going on with us mentally and emotionally. And so that applies to, like I said, this is future things, but that applies to anxiety and, um, all sorts of other stuff. But yeah, for sure applies to this as well. Uh, shameless plug for a future podcast about body mind integration and everything that falls into that category, which barely even sums it up, but we'll call it what we want down the road. We might have to have like a whole series on that one. That's probably fair. I, I'm on, let's do it. And so following up with that, do you find that empaths sometimes end up taking on other people's feelings and get entangled in emotional caretaking? And I'll actually reframe that because I think we've stated Yes, empaths do, ourselves included, take on other people's feelings, and it's an, a form of art learning how to not do emotional caretaking. So maybe just speak to that topically. Yeah, um, like you said, yes, I for sure, um, I for sure feel like that is a thing that happens, and um, I want to 
for some reason, caretaking is something that I kind of want to break down maybe with this and how it's related. Um, when I think of a caretaker, I think of someone that is taking care of someone else that's um, not able-bodied um, for the most part. I know it falls into other things, but just as an example here, a caretaker is often someone who helps another person who physically can't do something or maybe mentally has some struggles, whatnot. And they are there 24 seven day in, day out, week in, week out for sometimes a very long time. And, um, if we're being honest, that's a really exhausting role. Sometimes it is a thankless job. Sometimes it's a lonely job, um, an isolating job, and we do it for our parents when they get old or for family members that have struggles or whatnot. Um, and it's not that we would think not to do that, but it's a it's a mentally and emotionally exhausting place. And so when I think of caretaking, that's a little bit of what I think of. Um, and if you combine that with empathy and you become an emotional caretaker, you're taking on a really big job. And I think, um, it's probably again, easy for that person to slip into that, but it's probably not a very healthy place to be. Um, I see, I'm sure there's some exceptions to this, but I see that that could easily slip into enmeshment. Um, which is just a relationship that has no boundaries whatsoever. And um, it could potentially be a codependent type relationship, which is similar to that. And um, I think there should be a big difference between I have empathy for you versus I'm your empathetic caretaking person. (laughs) You know, those two should be separated for sure. And it can be so hard to draw that line that you're, you're talking about. It's like the, the empath feelings become one with the person who is going through something and then they lose themselves in it. And one of my professors in grad school stated over and over and over again in one of our courses, um, the phrase empathy, like good empathy is about feeling as if you were in another person's shoes without losing the as if. So feeling as if you were in someone else's shoes without losing the as if. Because the moment that you lose the as if, the sense of like, I am a separate person, I am a, I have an objective perspective about what you're going through, but I can feel what you're going through too. The moment you lose that and you're like in those shoes and you're walking in them and you can't take them off and the laces are tied in knots, mm-hmm. it's not as effective at that point. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great way to to put that, that it still allows the space for true empathy, but it kind of keeps it in a healthy place of, you know, I can I can have this true feeling for you and I can be supportive of you and I can be truly understanding of your position, but I don't I don't overstep my own self to get there. And I think it's a slippery slope if you are a highly empathetic person, but not might not even identify as being that way. Like if you're not aware that that is maybe not the norm, that you take on other people's feelings or see other people's feelings more readily than the average person might, you you might not always know that you're doing that. And so anytime you're in a social interaction with others or just bonding or connecting, you're doing that scanning and reading and feeling other people's experiences and thinking that through in tandem with your own. Mm -hmm. And like, you're just doing it. That's why I keep using the phrase of like, that's like you're breathing but it can just be the way you've always existed in the world and you won't realize how taxing it can be or how emotionally worn out you are if you're really carrying everyone else's stuff around. I guess what I'm saying is it's not always a conscious thing that 
we might do if we're highly empathetic. Yeah. Which I think answers our question earlier of like, why might someone reach out for therapy? That's why. <laughs> because exactly, it's just super natural and not so conscious um, of doing it. And it, it is exhausting. And um, this is such a, I remember hearing this in grad school too, that, um, you know, there's, there's maybe some benefit that either a therapist or just an empathetic person feels in helping someone else or sitting there in the yucky stuff with someone else um there is a positive um result that can come from that and there's nothing wrong with it um but I think it that has to keep that has to be kept in balance as well you know it does and we can dive into what it looks like to create that balance with that in just a second because I think I mean, there's no straightforward answer. I think that's what every person, or at least every client I've had is on a journey to find out is how do they, one, honor this gift of empathy that they have, and then B, give themselves permission to turn that up and turn that down. And usually an analogy that I'll use with clients who are highly empathetic is like a dimmer switch. Like if you're turning on a light in a kitchen or something and you have a dimmer switch that goes up and down, most of the time they are on like full blast, super bright, high light with empathy and feeling everyone else's feelings because it's done as an act of love. Like I think it's empathy is given as a form of like, I'm really connecting with you. I feel you. I'm here with you. And that's done because of care. But then when you help clients realize, or when they start to realize, Oh, I have a dimmer switch. Like I don't have to over function all of the time. I can turn that down sometimes. Or if that's someone else's stuff, I can let that be their stuff and I can pay attention Um, but I can turn that dimmer switch down. Or if it's like, wow, my spouse is going through something, why not you turn that dimmer switch up? And so Mm -hmm. that sometimes is empowering as a starting point. Yeah, for sure. I love the analogy because I think that helps it stick a little bit. And um, as you were talking about that, my head just jumped to being the other person for a second, which I know we're talking about the highly empathetic person, but my head just went to um, like, if I'm a receiver of a highly empathetic person, so the easiest example of this would be, you know, a couple or whatnot. So let's say, um, let's say the husband is the highly empathetic and the wife is not. Um, I think this is getting a little bit further down the road, but I think there's something to be, if you're the other person, there's something to be learned about how to read that empathy in them and maybe help them catch a break. And so if you notice your spouse giving you that high empathy all the time and freely giving it, um, I think we can start to learn ways to pick up on those cues and ways to communicate like, Hey, I appreciate that so much, but I'm okay. You know, like I got this and I don't need you to be fully on or like, I don't need that dimmer to be totally at its max because I'm good, you know? And communicating that to those highly empathetic people, I think could be such a valuable tool for them to help monitor their own self as well. It can. And that's a gift to the empath too. And I think it it like gives them that permission that maybe the empath can't really give to themselves sometimes. And it's a gentle, the way you presented it, I love it because it's gentle. It's almost just saying like, Hey, this is my stuff and it's mine. I can kind of cope with it and I can kind of deal with it and I love you for loving me but it's okay you just be here with me you don't have to fix anything Mm -hmm. and so like it let's let's take that a step further then as an empath or for highly empathetic people what are some ways that they can 
check themselves if they're doing some of that emotional caretaking or we can rephrase that too or like taking on other people's stuff as if it was their own and losing themselves in it what are some ways they can check themselves um I think trying to this is kind of hard to do but once you I I sort of think it's like riding a bike you know it's really hard at first but once you kind of catch the rhythm of it then it's a little bit easier and um the first thing I would say is sort of a self-check to see like how much is this thing overwhelming me you know and so like a random example might be my best friend's grandma died and I barely knew her, but I'm a highly empathetic person. And so I feel really bad for my best friend. Um, There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I think it would be like, okay, am I calling my friend seven times a day to make sure she's okay? Am I losing sleep at night because I feel bad that she might be feeling bad? (laughs) Um, Am I totally distracted at dinner with my friend, with a different friend because I'm thinking about my friend who lost her grandma? Um... I think it's just got to be a little bit of a self-check. Like in my last example, I'm at dinner and I'm not present because I'm concerned with this other situation. That is a cue to yourself like, okay, hold on. I can still be empathetic and I can still be so supportive and so caring to my friend, but I also can just be present at dinner with this other person and that's okay and that doesn't make me bad and that doesn't make me not an empath. It just makes me aware of myself and it's a small but significant boundary you know Um, it is yeah that's 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 very user friendly Mm -hmm. figuring out that sense of self is hard to do initially but once it's once it's done I think we you're a little bit more keen on it not that you always get it right but it's more of a keen sense yeah like you said it's like riding a bike no that's perfectly put and I think too different way of going about it but part of the same topic is empaths it seems like sometimes we'll feel like it's mean to not go 100 on the emotional caretaking or emotional attunement 100 empathy like the dimmer switch needs to be up and otherwise you're being a bad friend or you're being neglectful or uncaring and when they realize oh wait it's actually a greater form of love sometimes to let people squirm and struggle through their own stuff it's actually in a way, robbing people of learning opportunities that they really need if the empath oversteps or over functions and makes sure that everything is comfortable and the person feels okay. Like an example that I'll use, like let's say you're going through something with a friend or a family member and that family member snaps at you and they make you feel really, really bad and what they say or what they do is just really out of line. The emotional or the the high empath can feel the awkwardness of that and they'll feel their experience, but they'll also feel the other person's experience and they'll be like, oh no, no, like it's okay, don't worry about it. It's, I know you didn't mean it. They'll just excuse the behavior and almost clean up the mess that's made. And so they're doing like 85% of the work when really they can just do the 50% and let the other person learn to say, you know what, that was out of line and I apologize and I hurt your fault. But like empaths, I think, feel that awkwardness that can linger just in, I don't know, human interaction because we're all weird <laughs> and they want to clean that up. And I can admit that I want to do that all the time too. And so empaths, mm-hmm. when they get to that like 50% line, kind of realizing, oh wait, like by me standing here, even though I just like want to evaporate right now, this is actually a form of love because this other person can learn from this. They need to learn from this. And that is the most helpful thing that I can do. Dimmer switch down, 50%. Okay, squirm. Yeah, for sure. I think that that's good because it kind of speaks to as well, just like um, 
not that there's any specific time frame, but there can be a time where your dimmer switch is on full blast and that might be okay, but you learn to put it down and, um, and help yourself, which is also helpful to them, you know, um, which I guess kind of goes back to like the reading yourself kind of thing. But I think you're right. It can rob, it can rob each party of something good to be learned out of that situation. Yes, definitely. And so what are some of the pros and cons of being a highly empathetic person? We touched on these a little bit, but just to ask it directly. Yeah. What are some of the pros and cons of being wired this way? There's so many of both. Um, Like I said, I always, I get a little weirdly excited when I have a a highly empathetic person because I think when you see that genuine empathy, it is, to me, I think it's kind of rare because I think those people um, have an ability to be truly selfless most of the time. We're all human. We're all selfish. We're all flawed. But by and large, a highly empathetic person takes on and feels everything for others first over themselves. And that makes a beautiful person to be around. Um, So they can be great with others. They can be fairly selfless um, in their relationships and um, obviously genuine care for people. Um, I was also thinking of certain careers. A highly empathetic person is gold for certain careers. Um, Therapy might be an obvious one, but there's others too, like any sort of medical field or um, even like, this is weird, but I was thinking of like a defense lawyer. Um, They are not someone that would strike you as a highly empathetic person. And a lot of them might not be, but if you are that and you're in that field and you can really care for your client in that way, um, I don't know. I think there's probably a lot out there that career wise, it could be such a benefit to that person. Um, Cons, I think, would be a lot of the things we've already talked about, like struggle with boundaries, struggle to keep it like in a healthy balance, um, just the emotional drain and not being able to recognize that. Um, and kind of like a little trail off of that is if you're a highly empathetic person and you're giving everything to everyone else and you are draining yourself, it's really unfair to you. And it's also pretty unfair to those super close to you because those close to us tend to get the shaft. And so husbands, family, wives, kids um, can definitely suffer from you pouring out so much to everyone else and they get the scraps. Um, That could be a con. And yeah, just kind of following on that, not taking care of yourself too. That was one of my last ones is that it just gets, I think you just get really cloudy in a lot of ways and things get mushed together. (laughs) that checks all the boxes on my list too and as you're talking it made me think a little bit about the the way that it can lend itself to a lack of self-care and maybe you see this too but I'll see people oftentimes who are emotional caretakers or highly empathetic people find something to fill that void and oftentimes that's where a lot of food stuff shows up I'll have a lot of clients come in body image food that type of stuff and it really comes down to being highly empathetic giving 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 and then needing something for themselves Mm -hmm. in some form of comfort and then after you kind of deconstruct it, it's more about boundaries and empathy and everything mm-hmm. than it was ever about the food. But that's one of many examples that can come up. Mm-hmm. I, one of the things too, as you were talking, I, I'm not a fan, as you know, of like overly cheesy or I don't know, cliche things to say, but I do. Yeah. I think I can say that with honesty. I think of empathy these days as it's, it's somewhat of a superpower because I, I think the more I've worked with clients, the more I've realized 
how rare it is, like you were saying, the more I've realized, like, it is an incredible tool. It softens the edges of life when things can be very rigid or people can see things in all or nothing perspectives. Like, empathy allows people to be in their own skin, but understand other people. Mm-hmm. And it really just builds bridges in a really cool way. And I think empaths, kind of like you were saying too, they're dynamic. They can bond with many types of people and make people feel loved and seen. And that can lead to a lot of healing that sometimes people don't even know that they need. And yeah, it's just like a constant gift that you can give back to others. But again, the best gifts have boundaries so they don't wear out. Yeah, it really is. They can sit with people in the hardest places and not feel... um, Not that it is easy, but they cannot feel like they have to escape, you know? Um, they can, they can sit there in it and it's a beautiful thing. So last question here, what are some of the boundaries that highly empathetic people would benefit from drawing for themselves? Um, I think just kind of touching on what we said before, like maybe being a little bit, I always think to couples cause it's kind of easy, but, um, maybe being a little bit more open with themselves first, but then with those close to them, whether that be a spouse or a good friend or family or whatnot, and allowing those people into that space about themselves, like, hey, I struggle with this, you know, it's natural to me, I love to be empathetic of others, but I realize I'm, I'm struggling with it being healthy, so catch me if I'm doing that, you know, so maybe having a person help them recognize um, where the boundary is flawed. Like I said earlier with the spouse being like, Hey, I really appreciate that, but I'm okay. Or the friend being like, okay, snap out of it. We're going to go do this. Um, letting those people around you kind of help with the boundaries I think is, is a good thing. Um, and then, yeah, I think like I already said, my other idea would just be, um, that self-awareness piece is, is really helpful and it's a daily regular constant practice but it can do a lot it is and just for three more little bullet points in summary um easy go-tos can be the the thought just because you see something doesn't make it yours so like empath just because you see somebody feel a certain way or you see a reaction or you see a person feel insecure or whatever it is just because you see it doesn't make it yours mm-hmm. that can be just kind of a little phrase or mantra another one can be um am I rescuing somebody right now? Like, am I just trying to rescue somebody? And if so, sometimes just let that person squirm. And then the question that you can kind of ask your body or your emotions is like, is this mine? Like, is what I'm feeling mine or is that someone else's? And kind of just check in with yourself, Um, which again, all of that takes practice, but those are starting points. But the last thing I was going to say too, is I think empaths, it's so much fun because I think, I mean, maybe I'll speak this for myself and see if you relate and maybe others do too. It is a gift to others, but it's a gift to yourself. It feels so good to be able to see and know and be with people in their experience. Mm -hmm. And it's like sometimes you're not even giving because it gives back to you. And I think that that's one of the the beautiful things in addition to many others about being a highly empathetic person. So if you are a highly empathetic person, embrace it. Yes, (laughs) find the good about it for sure. Well, thanks for joining us today. Next time we might be talking about Thought Creates Form, but we'll see.